three, three, two, two, one. one. It's time for the show. Action. You're listening to the It's My Time podcast, a recording of the experiences, past and present, of everyday people. And now, here's your host, the one and only. Asher Chua. So what is it? Are you doing like marathons now or like what what like length races are you doing? Everything from 5Ks just for fun to the longest one that I did was last September. It was 32 miles. It was an uh, ultra. Okay. Gotcha. You follow uh, David Goggins? Are you familiar with him? I know him. Yeah, he's a really big name with the running community. Not so much with the obstacle course racing community because there's a big mix of both strength and speed and endurance with obstacle courses. Right. I know David Goggins is a big name with long endurance runs. Mm. I, I thought something books, I, actually. I think I have one of his books on my shelf, but I can't remember which one right now. Oh, you've got more than one out there? I think so. Gotcha. I, I just um, looked up one on Audible. It was uh, the, the Can't Hurt Me. I'm okay. giving his... Uh, autobiography and i was like okay like this is you got a lot going on here and um i just maybe seen him in one or two interviews like i saw him on joe rogan and um like another interview where it was just him kind of talking about how he's been able to condition his mind and i was like that's that's a really powerful thing oh there you are oh that wasn't showing earlier no (laughs) it's not showing you moving at all it's just well it's because is it oh I, i know what it's doing I'm trying to let me get this on the right device and then it should be right. I just needed to come up on my computer for a minute. Okay. So what are you doing with, with most of your free time and your time off? Um, I see you're working on this project. Well, I mean, this, this has been something recently that I've, I've kind of launched uh-huh. and uh, I hope this doesn't mess up. I just clicked in on my computer. Mm. Well, something else. Okay. Uh, but it's still not okay. gotcha so i'm here and i just need to make myself the host okay there are multiple images but it looks like there's one of you with headphones on yeah <laughs> okay that looks right. let me okay wait okay it's recording cool yeah so right now i took like I, I took time off of work or I left work um, back at the end of June. Mm-hmm. So then I, I came home the month of July, I didn't do a whole lot. And then kind of just got back into the swing of things with August as it relates to like getting back into regular daily routine, like getting up, getting out of the house. I started using one of those uh, 10K trainers actually. Okay, nice. To, like, jog and run. How's that going? How do you like it? Pretty good. It's... um. I'm trying not to think of it as much as just I'll do one day on one day off and um, Mm -hmm. just it has it as like you're only supposed to do three days a week, but I've got it overlapping since I'm just alternating my days and it's, it's working pretty good so far. I think I'm up to like week six. And how long is the program? Um, I want to say 10 weeks, maybe, maybe more. Yeah. Have you done any races along with it or just like you go out and you run because no, I I haven't done any races. There are a lot of races down here all the time. I ran a 10 K this past weekend and weekend before that there were two Spartan races, ran both of those Mm -hmm. for that. There was another 10 K that was actually my fastest 10 K yet. 
I mean, what got you started doing all these, like, all these races? Like, have you always been doing them since college, like, when I met you, or, like, just after school? I did a couple of them in college just because I needed to do something with my life <laughs> in school. Yeah. And I just focused on school. Actually, the first one that where I really decided I love this, I want to stick with this and do this, like, this is my hobby, was mm-hmm. 2015, Linda Chang got a group of us together to go do Rugged Maniac. You remember her? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I remember and Linda. Then, She's the first person I met at, at uh, Tech, nicest person right. in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was her, me, Bill, Mitchell, and one or two others. Okay. Was, was that when I got living? No, that was that was the next year. Yeah, I know it was the three of us and another one or two of her friends. And then I was just <laughs> like, I love this. This is fun. I'm going to do this. <laughs> it's Savage Race. And then I did a, um, a mountain mud run up in... Or was, uh, Cleveland, Georgia. Then I did the Spartan Beast at the end of the year. Okay. And those were my only four that year. And then the next year I did like 10 races. And the next year I did about 20 races. It just keeps building. Nice. So it's like you definitely hit that, like, you get that runner's high when you run? It takes me a few miles. I actually yeah. like longer runs because it takes me about three or four miles to really get settled into a groove and be like, okay, this is my pace. This is my breath. This is where – this is where I need to be, and I can do this forever. Right. It, it takes a little while to get there. And that's okay. what I like the half marathon to ultra marathon distances. It takes me a little while to get to a pace, but then it's not. I'm not going to stop as long as gotcha. I eat enough. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. The obstacle course races, because there's a lot of variety. I don't like straight running. That's still boring. Right. But there's I a see. lot of variety of climbing, carrying, crawling, do everything. <laughs> Wait, so do you say that you, you like the obstacle courses better than just like the, the regular running or is it? Yes, okay. but I need to be a good runner to be good at the obstacle courses. Right, because I, I think I remember you, I think we talked about running maybe back in 2015 and that's the first time I ever did like an obstacle course, but it was one of those wipeout races. where oh, okay. uh, like yeah. a short sprint and then an obstacle. Yeah, yeah. With, those with were those, fun. Yeah, I mean, it was really fun because it, it's uh, with that. There's not so much running because everybody kind of yeah. lines up at the obstacle course. But it's like, okay, you line up and you're gonna go down a slide, or you're like <laughs> jumping through like this big old like thing of foam, and like people are are just hanging out, having the greatest time out there. So oh, yeah. it, it just seemed like it like however they put it together. I was like, they they did really good for that. Yeah, there are a few that bring a really good environment. Like the the atmosphere is one of just fun. No matter how challenging it is, it's fun. And right. there to have a good time. There are some more competitive races. I think the uh, Spartan race and probably Bone Frog are some of the more competitive obstacle course races where people are really serious about it. Mm-hmm. There's Rugged Maniac, Savage Race, Terrain Race. Like everyone's there to have a good time. They're tough, but they're fun. They're happy. They're playful. It's right. a crowd. That's awesome the uh what is it so what what have you been up to man catch me up well i mean like i guess i feel like we talked right around graduation time but i feel like we've talked since then because like a little bit yeah uh see when did we last talk last august i actually i moved back in with my parents because the office moved to a location two miles from their house okay it's like okay i'll be here with apartment management with them insisting there's no mold in your apartment here's pictures there's mold i'm leaving yeah so not dealing with it i'm coming home mm-hmm. 
about to move out again, actually, and moving to Sandy Springs. My girlfriend lives in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Okay. got a job in Sandy Springs, and I met her at a Spartan race in West Virginia last year. <laughs> nice. <laughs> also, I now have a pet snake. Her name is Athena. She's a red-tailed boa. Okay. Probably about four feet long now, and she's still growing. She'll be about six to seven feet, more than likely, potentially up to nine. Got you. Well, that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird thing, but I love them. That's cool. I mean, like, did you did you ever have snakes before, or just like you just decided to get one, or you guys both decided to get one? I've I've wanted one since I was little. Mm. Like when I was a kid, I'd usually go out in the yard and catch them. Yeah. It actually turns out that's not legal, but eight-year-old Victor didn't know and probably wouldn't care. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like Georgia Tech happened and I forgot about all the things that I love because Georgia Tech does that to people yeah I see you got the sign back there <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's touching my soul as we speak <laughs> yeah, oh man my old roommate took me to Repticon which is a big reptile convention there's hundreds of snakes lizards there's sometimes little alligators like it's cool mm-hmm. reptiles everywhere and I was just like I'm a child again I want one yeah nice <laughs> And so then the next time I came through town, I went and I got one because I wanted to not do an impulse buy of a living animal. Mm-hmm. Waited, bought the cage set up and was ready, and then went and got her last April. Okay. So you've had her just over a year now? Yeah, it's about a year and a half. It's pretty cool. So I guess is it one of those things you're like, man, I, I finally get to have something I've always wanted? <laughs> yeah. So I... I'd always wanted it and forgot that I wanted it and realized I wanted it. And now I have it is like, this is cool. Nice. It's, it's fun to feed her. I last night was feeding night. She's quick. What do you, <laughs> what do you feed the, what do you feed the snake? Get her rats probably about that long right now. Ooh. Around there. I keep them frozen. And then gotcha. I, oh, okay. I put them in hot water for a while just so they're warm. So she thinks they're alive mm-hmm. and then dangle it with tongs in front of her. And she strikes it, wraps around it a couple of times in like a half second. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen that before. I remember freshman year, uh, we had a like over in the in the dormitories. I I didn't go to tech freshman year, but I, like I went to Southern Poly yeah. before it became Kennesaw. But like um, one of the guys had had one, but they almost had it like looking like it was a fish tank or whatnot. But <laughs> the uh, I remember they're like, oh yeah, just just check it out. And I guess a lot of the uh, snakes they just happen to be female or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's like they would have the snake get on you and like try and wrap around you. And I was like, I, I never grew up with pets or anything like that. And oh. reptiles already creeped me out and snakes for that matter of fact. <laughs> and uh, I guess that's when I found out snakes jump too, because it's, I guess she was wrapped onto her, uh, her owner. And then mm-hmm. the next second she wants to like jump off onto the bed or like towards her cage or something. And he's like, you dummy like you can't do that like, get, get back over here and i'm just sitting there watching like okay yeah, I'm, just, I'm just gonna go back to my room like don't you guys can have that like uh, <laughs> i'm just That's gonna fun. keep my books you can keep your snakes and whatever else you want to get into <laughs> so i guess uh as it what, how, what would you say like going to i know we both went to tech and like we went out into the I guess the quote unquote real world just to like do life as adults as you're supposed to like what what's that experience been like for you boring <laughs> pretty much boring. 
I don't like working. I like being productive, but you get up, you get in the office at this time, you do the same thing every day, all day long. You go home yeah. about the same time and then you repeat it the next day. Is like, there's more to life than this. Yeah. There's so much more than this. And Was so it kind of like, how do I find what there is that's more than this? How mm-hmm. do I afford to do it? And where do I find the time for it? Right. So I'm kind of with that mindset, I found the, have you heard of FIRE? FIRE? Community, Financial Independence and Retiring Early. Oh no, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I can send you links links for the, a couple of different groups. They're actually in Atlanta. There's a once a month meetup at Orpheus Brewery. I can send you the invite okay. the time that they get it set up. Yeah, that'd be cool. The basic concept, it's not really, retire early is in the name, but nobody really retires early. You right. just quit your eight to five job. And yeah. You, something else that gives you enough income. Gotcha. This is I'm going to, for some amount of time, mm-hmm. I'm going to make as much as I can Right. as a broke college student for as long as I can. Yeah. As much of that money into investments as I can, or put it into, I'm starting my own business, or I'm going to get into real estate or something that's intended to turn around and make more money. Right. Then when you retire early or just reach financial independence, you don't need your employer anymore. Mm-hmm a steady cash flow already rolling right and so then you can do let's say i'm passionate about a part-time job for me it would maybe be i want to be a vet tech but they make like 35k a year yeah that's that's making ends meet i want more than that yeah say that i reach partial financial independence and my investments are making me 25k a year yeah can go and work as a vet tech for 35k a year and i'm coming at 60k a year at the end of the year doing something that i like do the crap that I don't like. Right, right. And there's everyone has their own way of doing it. You find your own passion, you find your own standard of living. Some people are like, I want to have my boat in my 10 bedroom house and still be financially independent. You got to make a lot of money. Right, right. (laughs) Put that all into right investments and index funds. Yeah. And good luck. Do you you feel like that's something that we missed, like being in college where like I don't think I knew anything about money like while in college like I, I was kind of introduced to it but like the whole focus at least on my end was just like okay you're in here to get a degree to get a mm-hmm. job to like that's it you, you're here you're gonna get a degree you're gonna get a job and you, you're gonna go yep. forward and we can go on a big rabbit trail on this one because I think that that's a big cultural deception and even if you want to get cynical intentional yeah if we deceive the masses and just teach them all to be super productive robots, get them in deep debt, get mm-hmm. free to just work for the rest of their lives, give them either no financial advice or bad financial advice, they're not going to be financially literate. They're not going to be able to get out of the rat race. Yeah. Let's keep doing it. So I've started doing a lot of personal financial education and just personal finance. Mm-hmm. different blogs and online communities like I mentioned to figure out what can I do to not end up like the majority I don't want gotcha. to be the majority like did you did you start doing that before graduating or like once you graduated got out and started working and it's like In January this, is... this year <laughs> okay gotcha no that, that's fair yeah but it's like I've gotten into it and it's just the, how cool it is like one there's thousands of people doing it and two how possible right. it really is like right. one of the estimates if you Assuming the standard of living that you have now, based on your income now, if you put away 50% of your income right now, then in 17 years, you can retire with the same standard of living and the same experience yeah. you have now. 17 years is nothing compared to a 40 to 50 year, what everybody does. Right. Put 50% of your income into investments, even if it's just an index fund that you throw the money in and forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, what's, funny, what's funny about that, because I, I feel like 
a majority of, of students kind of missed the bus, but I know that there are plenty of people that got it either while they were mm -hmm. in college or before they got it in college. And I don't know if yeah. a lot of times those people are kind of looked down on or they're just thought of like, okay, that person's a little weird. They're distracted or like because this, but yeah, but it's like they, yeah. they kind of get it. And um, I'm blanking yes. on their last name, but I remember they had this, this, um, it was like a semi TED talk that a group on campus had set up. And mm -hmm. I went there with, uh, I think it was Adrian Garcia. We just I happened to, to go there and check it out. I don't know if you remember him. He was like a uh, civil structural major. Was but, he the bodybuilder guy or is that someone else? No, I think that's somebody else. I okay. think I know who you're talking about though. But okay. essentially they, they had this conference and I'm blank. I think her last name is Lawrence, Jasmine Lawrence. So she started this uh -huh. thing called Eden Body Works. And she was one of the speakers there. And she basically talked about how she had a problem where she had damaged her hair while she was um, an early teen. And she was mm -hmm. basically trying to find a way to like grow her hair back because like she didn't like that she was missing a good piece of her hair. And okay. like through trial and error, talking with people and like figuring out how you would mix different products and things, she was able to get her hair to grow back, like make a small business out of that by like, creating the the products to where I think by the time she was like 15 or 16, she'd already been on Oprah. She'd started like a full-time wow. business and her mom was working for her so that by the time yeah. she's getting ready to go to college, like she's able to pay for her, her own schooling. And her thing was that like, I want to go to college and to be an engineer to just like, I don't know if you call it have a normal life, but it's one mm -hmm. of those things where it's that she still had a passion to do something. And I think, like a lot of people are passionate to to learn and you want to know like, okay, like there's this big glossy thing. Like I want to be an engineer. I want to be able to like mess with robotics. I think that was her thing. And just all the while, so she went through, I think she did her bachelor's, maybe did her master's, but like went off, went to work with Microsoft all the while mm -hmm. still managing her company on the side. And if you wow. look it up today, awesome. it's like, it's this massive thing that's been, churning and going and I, I think it's great to see people like that but it's interesting to know why like so many of us like we just get tunnel vision where it's hey you're making the grades you're mm -hmm. you're like like you know everything like you're on top of the world but then once you get out like you kind of get smacked with this disillusion because you see the companies come and talk to you while you're in school and I think I don't know if disillusion is the thing, but like sometimes it seems like everybody's putting their best foot forward, but then either markets mm -hmm. changed or things just aren't the way they appear to be. And yeah. like, once you get into it, it, it seems like you're going through this sort of mundaneness. But I, I say all that to say, like, even though it, it may not be all that, like it definitely pays well to where if you did well to manage your student loans, like, it may not be terrible to like get out of, but I guess each person has a different story on that. Yeah, and there's a lot, there's a hundred different ways to evaluate how quickly you should go after them and when it's, when it stops being worth it. Right. And right. I paid mine off after two years just because I hated them. Right, right. Same yeah, here. I don't want, don't want to deal with it. I, I'm paying someone money to continue owing them money. This mm -hmm. is. I'm not doing it. Right, right. But that that's good that you're able to do that. I mean, not not a lot of people are able to say that, hey, like, I get out of school, I pay off my debt. Yeah. And then the only thing you maybe have left is like a car note and rent. 
yeah. and then even like like we were talking about real estate earlier for somebody that figures it out or has somebody along the way to tell them okay hey like even while you're in school I, I think Linda maybe her parents figured this out that while you're in school we are going to purchase like a home where yeah you can rent it out and then your friends can rent it out and it's like all the while that's generating a source of income for her and her parents yeah you're yeah. right while she and it's like that right yeah. and also that that's providing a service to say um like if you need housing like here's housing because a lot of times it's not not everybody can just get up and just buy a house because afterwards you got to maintain it you got to keep up with it or get in touch i mean not to say that it's difficult it's just that like it's 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 uh doable to navigate it's just mm-hmm. some things you have to figure out but the thing i always <laughs> I guess I can't keep smacking myself for this, but I remember a friend of mine, Nikojo, he gave me a book freshman year, my freshman year, his sophomore year. When I first went to school, he told me, here's this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, make sure you read this and then come back. I got that book about a month ago. Yeah. And there's like, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll I'll do it. But I, I got so much studying to do. I got homework. They want this done. They want that. Yeah. And like, I didn't yeah. get it until after graduation. And I read it maybe within like a month to two months once I graduated and I was working. And as soon mm-hmm. as I read it, it's just like the, the uh, glass shattered in my brain. And I was just thinking, <laughs> wow, I'm such an idiot. Like five years, <laughs> I missed out on this information. And it, it was it was right there in my hands. Like literally, I had yeah. it. Yeah. We just but, have to do something with it. Right. That's awesome. So I don't know if th- this question would be kind of going backwards. I'm I'm still playing with how to ask it since I I guess Uh we didn't really do an introduction, but um, let me ask it like this. Who do you say you are? That's never an easy question. Just take it as you, as you wish. Because are we looking for like, whatever, just whatever comes to mind. Looking for the things that I like. Oh yeah. This is, this can be, just, I mean, start with your name, where you're That's from, what you do, what you like. Uh, to start on the surface, okay. Yeah. My name is Victor, or Victor Miller. I work as an applications engineer at a water treatment company in Duluth, Georgia. My hobbies are everything health and fitness related. I don't like running, but I do running because I like obstacle course races. I lift every morning before I go into work. I go to yoga about once every week or two. Keep loose. Actually, I went this morning. I was... Very challenging after doing leg day two days ago. My <laughs> box and I couldn't do anything. <laughs> I like reptiles and I like heavy metal. It's pretty good. <laughs> but so, that's the surface level who I am because I'm thinking like I hear that question and I try and go somewhere deeper. Like who? What is my core identity? So where? Like yeah, where would you take that then? That would get into like how do I? How compassionate am I? What what kinds of things in the world really break my heart? Where do I want to contribute to the world? Mm-hmm. Um, what what, and who do I love? How do I love? That, gotcha. That's the kind of like, who are you that I think of? Mm, okay. About yourself would be kind of what we discussed. And it, it's just a different framework sort of thing. Right, right. But a who are you is like, I am the son to my parents. I am. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, <laughs> it start coming off like Kanye. It's like, I am warlock. I, I'm the Da Vinci family. It's like, okay, okay. I mean, hey, if that's who you say you are, I respect it. Like, so long as it's coming out of your mouth, like, 
whatever you say you are, I can't necessarily disagree with it. But I guess where I got the question from was um, I was reading, I was just thinking back to like a, a biblical passage where it's like mm. um, Christ is talking to his disciples and he asked oh, the question, like, I am. yeah, who do you say yeah. I am? And it's like, who do the people say I am? I think he asked, who do the people say I am first? And then who do you say I am? So I was like, what if I flip it and I say, um, who, like, who do you say that you are? Because it's like your opinion of yourself is what's most important. And then I could ask like, who do people say that you are? If, if like, if you pay any attention to that, Mm. but it's like, some people don't bother with it because it's like the more focused you are on your stuff that the further you get in life, but other people maybe have the mindset of like, you do have to pay attention to your critics because they kind of help shape and mold you into um, your best self because it's like your family's not necessarily going to tell you like, Oh, like you shouldn't be doing that. Or like, Oh, like stop singing. Like they'll just tell you, (laughs) Oh, go go on American Idol. Like you have the best voice ever. And then you go out there and they're just like, I don't know who told you this, but this isn't for you. love." (laughs) It's funny because I, I think we jumped right to the topic that like, we both agree with when it's talking about college and like what the experience was for that kind of what the like what the reality of it is where it's it's sold a certain way but then like there's a lot of work that you have to do to like get through it and then get to the certain level where you can actually get the job Mm -hmm. and say okay like now i'm able to pay off my student loans for one and then once i i do that like once you're not necessarily under a loan burden i think that maybe kind of takes away the disillusion or the veil where you're like oh, okay like you guys like you guys are lying to me like there's 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 not a whole lot going on here it's like okay yes. like this stuff might be important and i understand why like i, I understand why it is that like somebody mm-hmm. built this up to solve a problem it's just maybe a problem that i i don't want to solve necessarily if that makes sense because it makes money for someone else right and then you realize it's like well if i can make somebody else this money maybe i can make money for myself somewhere it's like somebody else is human like me mm-hmm. they were able to come up with this idea over a period of time and that's why it's like you you give them their just due to where they're able to get somewhere and then they bring people along to say hey i, I need you to build this and i'll pay you this amount mm-hmm. it's like i don't have money I have time, so I'll give you my time for money. And, and the then, thing is that money will always come and go and your time will always go. Right. You're not getting that back once you trade it in. Mm. Is that is that a newfound viewpoint for you? Or like No, I've had that I've, for I've, for a few years. That was one of the you. I think that it got really strong probably when I started working. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I'm starting a new job and I know that first impressions matter. If I show up and I start working like I did at Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. I'm in the office at 8 a.m. and I'm out of the office at 11 p.m. Yeah, check this out of me indefinitely. Right. I look back on my life and say, what have I done? Because mm-hmm. life is more than work. Yeah. And so the longer that I did that, the more that I started building up a life outside of work, the more I started realizing, wow, my time is valuable. Mm-hmm. There is so much that I want to do. Like just a couple of days ago, I was on my way over to a friend's place and then they canceled on me. Like I was on my way. I was pretty pissed. Not like right. Oh, I wanted to hang out. I'm upset. Why would you do this to me? Like you wasted my time. Right. I could have sat in my room and read a book. Mm. I could have watched an educational video on something. I could have done something to develop myself as a person better, Mm. but I was on the road for an hour Mm. as a friend canceled on me last minute. I'm not getting that time back. Right. 
So our time is the most, honestly, is the most valuable asset that we have, probably yeah. comparable to our health. Yeah, yeah. And so the goal needs to be to work as efficiently as possible now to build whatever financial wealth we need mm-hmm. and steal back our time. Gotcha, true. Our entire culture is built around work forever and then die. Right. I want to take that back. Yeah. And I mean, I, I know you said you, you kind of got that mindset recently, but I feel like for as long as I've known you throughout college, like that was always something we talked about where it's that, or that's something that you, you kind of enlightened me to, whereas you don't want to work to live. You want to, yeah, you do want to work to live, but not live to work. Correct. Yes. Yeah. That idea, I guess, yeah, at a, at a broad level, like you're just describing, yeah, that's always been my mindset lately. Yeah. I've been getting more into the details with it. Gotcha. Make it happen. And then finding out there's communities that do make it happen. Mm. So then like in making it, making it real for yourself, like have you been just journaling, writing down what it is that you want to do as in like, okay, these are how many races I want to run this year, or this is where I want to be financially. This is like what I want to have in my, my life circle. Yeah, there are a few things that I have definite goals. I don't like they're all long-term goals, but I do make the day-to-day steps to get there. One gotcha. of them, I, I want to be financially independent by 45. Mm. I got things I, to me too. have something rolling. Yeah. To just say, screw you, full-time job. I'm right, right. And I want part of that financial independence to come out of real estate. I want to start with house hacking. Have you mm-hmm. heard of house hacking? House hacking? Yes. No, what's that? Is where you buy either a multi-unit home like a duplex mm-hmm. or you just buy a multiple bedroom home mm-hmm. one and you rent to roommates. It's a very Oh, simple. yeah, yeah. I've heard of that. I guess I, so I just never heard of the term house yeah. hacking. Yeah, I hadn't until like January, February either. Gotcha. Okay. This, this is a real thing. And a lot of people push back on it. I want my space. I want my home. I want my right. See, But it's like, but you can have all of that in 10, 15 years. Right when you have a couple of properties that are paying you to exist, right. Making money just by breathing. Yeah. You made some sacrifices for about a decade or so. Mm-hmm. When you come out, you got it. You're fine. Get used yeah. to roommates. Yeah. <laughs> and I've well. had roommates. I've never, I've lived alone for about six months. Okay. In between two leases. It was just, it was nice. I'm a big introvert. I loved it. But other than that, I've always had roommates. Why would I break that for privacy when I can put that money into an investment and retire? Right. Well, I mean, it depends on, I guess, if, have most of your experiences with roommates been all positive? No, I had a terrible gotcha. time. Just okay. But I guess, did you, were you managing it the whole time thinking like, okay, I'm saving this money and put it, I'm good, I have it to put towards something later? Well, no, I just, I just move if I had that situation for a longer gotcha. term. If I'm the landlord, I can yeah. come out. Gotcha. Right. That's true. We're both on the lease. It's like, well, this sucks. Yeah. Because I, I remember my, the, Probably what got the idea of real estate in my mind, aside from like the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, was mm. like living off campus my last year at Tech. Because mm. essentially, when I look back at it now, it's that the owner or the landlord, he had a duplex unit where it's two houses side by side by each other. Yep. And they had six bedrooms and I think two bathrooms in each unit. I lived in one, ju- one just like that off of Bellmead Avenue. Okay. So that was right. It was across the street from Kroger on, that was between Northside and Hemp Hill. Okay. Okay. I know where you're at. Yeah. I was over there by the pizza place that down the street from Rocks, Rock City. Or oh yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Like between that pizza place and the other one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I know which one you're talking about. So it's like, just thinking of that, it's like, okay, so if this person, 
this landlord has one duplex right or he has yeah one duplex this is two individual buildings which has six tenants in it that's 12 total uh-huh. tenants and each one of those are bringing you a minimum of what four hundred dollars yep ours was 375 each which yeah that's actually that's cheap for the tenants right but you put six of them together and then in two units right like that that dude what's that twenty four forty eight hundred dollars mm-hmm. every month yeah like that's, and i'm sure that's paying off that's not just paying off the mortgage that's paying off expenses clean up if you want to because he came by and he would do the actual work on the place and yep. somehow in my head i had the wherewithal to kind of ask him about like how he was able to do that and i think i still have his number in my phone so i might just call him up and ask him like because for him he was an immigrant that came to the States and he went the engineering route. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense as to why he owns houses uh, next to tech and be like, Oh, I was an engineer. There's an engineering school. Engineering students need places to live. Just come over here and live. And they're and always just coming through. Right. Tenants and students don't have like super high standards. Like I want the newest renovation. No, it's nice. It's clean. I can sleep here. Right. It's better than tech's dorms. It's not hard to be that. <laughs> and i mean what is it you're paying half the price or a third of the price i think less when when i lived in north avenue apartments i think that it came up to like 1200 a month mm, yeah like a crappy room that had a nasty mattress and all that Ugh. i mean regardless of that it's like you have that room where you may be um it's a lot tighter or you might even be sharing so it's like i, I yeah. think that the north Ave one those are the ones that are facing the highway yeah, you can see them from okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think I stayed there for the first year just to kind of like get on mm-hmm. campus and kind of move around. And luckily I met one of the guys uh, in the engineering program, Aaron Morris. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey man, I've got a place over here. Uh, landlord's real cool. You can move in. Like one guy's going to move out. Nice. You want a spot? And then as soon as he told me that, and I was like, that's all you're paying for rent? Like, heck yeah, I'm going <laughs> to go over there. So like, I'm in move over like cut down on the loans that i have to take like save some money from co-oping use that towards mm-hmm. like the thing and then by the time you graduate it's like maybe twenty thousand in debt while other people are graduating with like 50 100,000 200,000 yeah. i'm like i don't know how you guys like like for me money's already a scary thing where like you don't have a lot of it mm-hmm. and i'm just like i just don't want to be in debt no. And then just seeing somebody that just has like debt pile up and it, I'm just like, that's, that's too much. For 20 years or more. Like, yeah. I, that's not going anywhere. Right. But it, it's good to see like, I'm, I'm doing this podcast thing and figuring out social media. And the more I keep seeing more and more entrepreneurs that are doing their thing. Like some people, it's like waters you have to kind of navigate because like whether you're always going to run into people wherever you go and you have like people of integrity, like mm-hmm. in the social media space and like housing and like anywhere that you go and you can tell the ones that are kind of just like spamming, but yeah. then you see the other people that are like putting in the actual time. Like you have people that help people work on their credit that they say, <laughs> okay, like if you have bad, bad credit because you got credit cards in college and you didn't understand it. You were just like, just charging everything because you're like, yeah, I, I can spend it all. And now it's like, <laughs> you don't have a, a budget or it, like you yeah. don't have a good credit report. Or for my case, like I didn't have any credit at all because I was like, stay away from credit 
But then mm. I think as I became more informed about money, I was like, oh, like I, I need a credit report in order to be able to actually buy things later on down the line. So then yeah. like uh, last year I got a credit card and I started using it to like pay rent or pay for groceries. So it's like, I would pay for this, turn around and pay it for cash. So like, I wouldn't buy anything that I wouldn't have money for. And essentially yeah. like, I was like, oh, I only have six months of credit. And now I look up, it's like, oh, you have five years of credit history and you paid off your loans, you paid off mm-hmm. your car, like you, you're making consistent payments every month. And it's like, hey, you're, you're good in our book. Yep. And then when you, awesome. get, when you get used to credit cards, you can go through and find different cards that give you different cashback rewards or travel rewards or bonuses for all sorts of things. Yeah. There's, there's some people in the, in the financial independence communities that have found ways to like, they can go on five international trips in a year and pay like 200 bucks. Right. It's like they're, they're just the brilliant strategies of going through these cards are called travel hacking. Mm. And some of them even get to fly first class because they found a way to play the system. And right, it's right. built to make money and get us in debt. Yeah. There are ways, there are loopholes. There are ways to get through it and make money off of it. Like I've got, I'm not good at the travel hacking. I just started looking at that. Right. Because it's cool. Yeah. Credit cards, I get 3% on everything that I buy online. All of my flights, everything, Amazon, everything at all online. Nice. Then I get 2% on groceries and 1.5% on gas. And I use different cards for different things that I need to buy Mm -hmm. to maximize my rewards. These are little things. Right. But then there are others that depending on what your monthly bills look like. I know my cousins use one. It's got like a $95 annual fee. Mm -hmm. They get like 9% back on groceries. That's absurd. Right. Pays for itself in like three months. Right, right. I had a $500 sign-on bonus. I think they get like 5% on gas. What or, kind of card is that? I think that that's, it's one of the Chase cards, I think. Okay, okay. Makes Absurd sense. Absurd rewards, but it's got a fee. And it right. really makes people not want to do it because. Right. But because you just think fees, fees are bad. But it's, it's similar to, um, like, I got a Costco card because for a time I lived just down the street from Costco. And once yeah. I went there, it's like, okay, you go here. Like you can either pay for like a regular membership, which is like $55, or you can pay for like an executive membership. But now I think they did this thing where you can have your Visa card double as your membership card and they mm. do the same rewards point system there. Yeah. And it almost works two ways where when you shop at Costco, you get some reward points, but then when you shop with your card, you get separate rewards. So yeah. like, I think... Last year, I got a couple hundred bucks for it. And it's like, okay, if I get more than a hundred bucks, I've already paid for my card. Mm-hmm. So essentially, it's like what you're paying for and the experience, like just taking the time to either do the research yourself or get with somebody that knows it. Because it's like there's so much information out there, but just getting started with um, like there's a ton of people in Atlanta that know about the credit i think the real estate thing you've got um i'm definitely looking into that for 2020 like Mm -hmm. probably look at property around the atlanta area because i stayed at an airbnb just like 10 minutes from the airport so Mm -hmm. i could catch like a 5 a.m flight and the guy was telling me he's like oh yeah man this this area right here is pretty good because it may it may not look the best right now but like it was easy to go ahead and get a property here and kind of do some internal renovations Yeah, and they're getting ready to, yeah, they're getting ready to buy up like the whole 
property and it's like once the state kind of gets it it's like the price is going to go up because mm. once they get it they um they basically like pretty it up and then from there it's like okay well once the area is looking better this is happening and that's happening it's just things improve a little bit property values go up yeah and i've heard yeah i've heard that college park is and college park and east point are good that's areas what it was. to look that east point yeah that's where it was at yeah, they're up and coming. They're not there yet, but yeah, next four or five years they're developing. Same sort of thing that happened in um, like the Midtown area and mm. area Old Fourth Ward was like garden mm. five years ago. Yeah, now it's absurdly expensive. Gotcha. And that was a large part of that was because of the Beltline connecting to that area. And mm. lots of business bringing lots of rich kids over who are living off of their parents' credit cards. <laughs> But I guess the, yeah, the big thing, the big thing that gets kind of brought up with like the um, communities being upgraded a little bit is like the gentrification thing. Yeah. And I guess I've heard of it and I've, I've kind of seen it because when I, I went up to DC uh, two years ago to visit and I, I stayed at somebody's Airbnb and they, they happened to be there while I was staying there. So it's like they had the, like we were saying earlier, they had the room upstairs and I had the room downstairs uh-huh. And um, essentially, I was talking with, with this lady because she works with the government and she'll travel overseas. And she was saying that, like, her, she was saying, like, yeah, gent- gentrification is a real thing. And it's like, she can't stand it. But she's like, well, I'm kind of the problem because I'm yeah. moving in here to where it's not looking good. But, like, yeah, the, the um, not to jump around too much, but the first time I, I went to Philly back in August, and one of the guys, like an Uber driver that I was riding with, he was like, it used to be pretty bad, but gentrification's actually helped out some areas where it's kind of pushed mm-hmm. the crime out from where it normally is. But yeah, um, I guess I said all that to say there are people working on improving housing for people. Mm-hmm. And it's like any, somebody said this to me, is like a house is a step up for anybody, like any form of house, if it's like on the lower end or if it's like up on the higher end, because it's like, if you're homeless and you don't have a home, yeah. like, and somebody offers you a home at a, an affordable price that you can kind of manage, like, hey, like now you got four walls and a roof over your head. That's that's a step up from being on the streets or having to go from like one Absolutely. place to another. And like, I definitely want to look into um, either things around Atlanta, like look at things around the community where I'm at and try to figure out what's working and who's trying to make what work because a lot of times from the outside looking in, it always just looks like, oh, like nothing's working here. Like the world's terrible. Things are falling apart. But it's like, that's not the case. Turn, like, off, some, turn off the news. Yeah, it's like, news. exactly. <laughs> it's like somebody's always working. There may be a soup kitchen. There might be this. And yeah. now with like social media and things, there's so much like positivity to it when people are able to, like somebody that's young and they understand the technology, they're able to take it and say, oh, hey, you own, um, like, do you own a small business? I can help you market yourself and, like, help you put your pictures online because, like, I appreciate the service that you provide. Like, mm-hmm. if you get a haircut, it's like, okay, like, hey, do you have a website? Do you have, like, a book C? Are you on this platform? Are you on that platform? They're like, 
no, I don't know how to do that. It's like, okay, like I'm in the area. Maybe I, I can do that for you. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't necessarily need any money from you. And um, I saw that happen with um, a rapper that I, I follow from Houston, Texas. His name's uh, Tobe Nwigwi. Uh-huh. And uh, I met him back, yeah, I met him three years ago in Atlanta for the first time. And he he um, he connected with um, Eric Thomas, this guy that I follow. And I, I kind of saw some of his motivational videos back in 2013, like getting ready to transition out of college and um, just kind of seeing, seeing Tobe do his thing was like, he started out um, rapping. Like he didn't want to rap because his dreams were to go to the NFL because mm-hmm. he played college football, uh, uh, division one, all, all starter, like dis- defensive player of the year, all of that. But uh-huh. when it, when it came time to like make that transition, he, I guess he didn't make the cut. And that's like a big blow to an athlete where it's like you had all your dreams basically lining up to do that thing. And then it yeah. just doesn't work out. Now you got to figure work. out what's next. Yeah, all the work to be that good and then still not be good enough. Right. That sucks. But like essentially he connected with um, Eric Thomas because he started a, like a community program to make purpose popular. Mm-hmm. and kind of give back to the community and, and reach out to kids. And he was like, hey, um, I think he was like, if if you could come speak to our event, that would be that would be great. That would really like uplift the kids. And E.T. like hit him back and he was like, hey, like next time I'm in the area, I, I'll come through and I'll speak, speak with um, like speak to you and your uh, your crew. And mm-hmm. essentially he he made that happen. So he went there and spoke with him they kind of connected and i think like he spoke with um one of et's eric thomas's right hand man and he essentially they were hanging out in the car or something like that and he started just like freestyling off of a beat and the guy kind of looked at him like wait what's that (laughs) he's like oh nothing it's just something i used to do and he's like you need to do that and he's like how do i do it and he's like figure it out so he (laughs) He started going online, doing his research, and then um, I think he put out something. It wasn't as consistent, but maybe like put out a, a small album. And mm-hmm. then he jumped on Instagram and started doing these um, these uh, Get Twisted Sunday videos every Sunday where he would be getting his hair twisted um, mm-hmm. by his now wife, I think then girlfriend. And um, she would, as she's twisting his hair, he's, he's rapping or freestyling to a beat that's either like a popular beat or something and people were just like oh, okay like this this guy's he's got bars and they like put the subtitles there and like over time he kind of built up a following and now he's got a show that's going on December 8th in uh, nice. in Atlanta and I was like oh man I want to buy tickets and now I realize crap I mean <laughs> I might have overbooked myself there so it's like if I don't get to go I'll probably have to sell my tickets back and uh it'll work out for the better though yeah but it's just seeing something like that where you have somebody that starts like grassroots. They're like, okay, I'm going to start with what I have. I think he started with like a camera phone. Uh-huh. And then after that, somebody was just like, you got the phone too close to your nose. It's like, I can see up your nostrils. They're like, I've got a camera. <laughs> I've got a camera if you want. He's like, okay. So then the person just liked what he did and of no charge. He just went and started filming it. And then uh-huh. 
people like Erica Badu, Dave Chappelle, the comedian saw it. They liked it. They're like, hey, man, keep keep doing your thing. And then like he went on, um, I think it's a, like news rap radio show, Sway in the Morning. And mm-hmm. then he went on like BET, did some shows with them. And now he's he's like touring the, co- the country, putting on his own performances and things like that. Nice. Yeah, he came out of like nowhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, and I mean, that's, that's the thing. It definitely seems like yeah. he came out of nowhere, but it's just like, just kind of doing that work in the dark that nobody mm-hmm. sees, but like putting it out on a platform that people can actually see. And then they recommend it to their friends and they say, oh, like, you should, you should really go check this out because this person mm-hmm. saying something, he's not just like, he's not just out there, like looking to be, looking to be seen. Mm-hmm. But it's always a pleasure talking with you, man. Like, yeah, it's been it's been a while. Yeah, too long. I didn't know you were back in the Atlanta area. Well, Dalton, sort of. Well, I yeah, know. I just I just got back this way like late June, July. Yeah. And then like now getting into the swing of things, I was like, okay, let me let me reach out and see, um, just kind of connect back with people because mm-hmm. like I know I I kind of like teeter totter from time to time where it's like I'll go super hard trying to connect. And then like I'll fade because I'm like, that's not, that's not my natural strength where it's like, like constantly being chatty or like be able to like maintain so many yeah. relationships. But I'm like, I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same. It's like, just try something. And I mean, what works <laughs> works. And then the people that you're able to keep up with, you just maintain those relationships. Yeah. Appreciate you, Victor. It's good talking to you. Take care.